This is the story of emancipation, narrated by Elder Ayagoro Omi. On this occasion, we are going to discuss the presence of African Muslims in Trinidad. We have a national problem because we really do not know our own history, nor, for that matter, world history. I once noted that the Prime Minister, Dr. Keith Christopher Rowley, had stated that he wants to see a greater emphasis on the teaching of history in the education system. I have also noted that among the priorities of the Ministry of Education is, and I'm quoting from them, is to emphasize the teaching of our country's history and geography in schools. That hasn't come to fruition as yet, and it takes me back to the time when I was a student at Trinity College in the 50s. Trinity College at that time was in Port of Spain. And we were fortunate to be taught to appreciate history. After being grounded in medieval history in the early years, by third form, we had the choice of studying either West Indian history or West Indian geography as we prepared for O-levels. I remember that our founding principal, Mr. Peter Helps, an Englishman, taught the first forms about the several matters, including the Hegira, which was Prophet Muhammad, upon whom be peace, his flight from Mecca or Mecca to Medina in 622 AD. Unfortunately, today, many people do not know such basics, like the fact that the first Muslims to come to Trinidad were Africans. They preceded the Indian Muslims who came during the period of indentorship. All of these Africans had been enslaved. They came from different places, some from America and others from the continent. And many of them were literate in Arabic. The information that the African Muslims brought to us is well documented. There are the references in the reports of Brigadier General Sir Thomas Hislop, who was the governor from 1804 to 1811, Reverend J.H. Hamilton, a rector of the Church of England in 1841, and there are various references in African Muslim petitions to the British government. There's a great deal of information in the works of Dr. J.D. Elder, Dr. Carl Campbell, Professor Michael Gomez, and Dr. Brinzi Samaru, among others. The importance of the African Muslim presence in Trinidad has also been noted in particular by Professor Gomez, who said that the African Muslim presence in Trinidad constituted one of the largest, most organized, most vibrant, most enduring, and most influential African communities in all of the Americas prior to the 20th century perhaps rival only by their co-religionists in Brazil. Before the 20th century, African Muslims in Trinidad lived at Guaracarit, which is a Hausa Road, as I mentioned on a previous occasion, spelled H-O-U-S-S-A. They were in Mayo, they were in Mandingo Road, they were at Quarry Village in Valencia, they were in Manzanilla, they were in Belmont, and they were in East Dry River. In Belmont, there were a number of African Muslims 
who were Mandingos, Hausa, Fulani, and Yoruba. Jonas Mohammed Bath emerged as one of the most prominent African Muslims in Trinidad. Mohammed was born in 1783. He was brought to Trinidad during the early 19th century as a slave of the British government. In other words, he was actually owned by the government. Because he was literate in Arabic, he served as imam as well as a commission of affidavits among Muslims in Port of Spain. Mohammed Bath ceaselessly sought out newly arrived Mandingos who had been enslaved. He usually purchased their freedom and in some cases was able to give them repatriation to the continent. The community of Muslims, which was led by Jonas Mohammed Bath, lived in the East Dry River area. The group owned land and property. Bath Street in East Dry River is named after this African Muslim. African Diaspora Views. Please visit our YouTube channel for the complete series. Like and subscribe to the channel to support our efforts. Ashe.